Hello and welcome back to the Drunken Primarchs. You're listening to Zan. And David. And Craig. We're here to talk about Games Workshop in the past couple of weeks and uh, give our views on where the hobby's going and what we're enjoying about it. So, let's start there then. What people have been working on, David? Well, I've got the new Indomitus box sets. I've been working on spraying up and, and painting up some of the new Necrons. Really nice new models and... They're my first Necrons, so brand new army for brand new edition. I must admit, I've seen the paint job you've done, and that's really nice paint job. Uh, would you be all right sticking them up the Instagram for us? So people can Absolutely, see yeah. Cool. And Craig, what about yourself? What have you been doing hobby-wise? Because I know you're not a, a Necrons or a Space Marines fan, so... Well, I mean, I used to be a Necrons fan, as I found a few Necron models that have been up in the attic for a decade. <laughs> Isn't like a thousand points in six models or something stupid? It's about 400 points, yeah, with um, 12 Necron Warriors, 3 Scarab Swarms, and Necron Lord. So, because my model is a full cast of the Nightbringer, and it predates the whole Shard of the Catan thing, it is a natural Catan. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're the only one with the actual Catan now, that's it. Yeah. It's, it's You have the Nightbringer. Yeah, yeah, it's a full metal cast. He is the Catan. But yeah, uh, it's about 400 points, which was a nice find. I mean, this week in actual hobby stuff, I've not really been doing too much. I've sort of lost the slight motivation to do it. So I have started to go back and try and finish up a few of the orc stuff. I do a few finer details. And I guess that's another conversation, really, is what do you guys do to sort of motivate yourselves? I'm, I'm sure that's something that we can uh, we can discuss during this podcast later on. Yeah. What about you, Zan? What have you uh, been doing? So I have been working my way through converting near enough three boxes of Space Marines from the Indomitus box into Death Watch. So I've removed, or am removing, all the shoulder pads to replace them with both the chapter and the uh, Death Watch shoulder pad itself, trying to convert all the shields over to Death Watch ones. Uh, although I have started taking a break from it, because with having nine bikes, I've decided that one's going to be a, a chaplain on a bike, so I've got something a little bit different for when the rules come out. And I've also started converting one into Canada's bike from Akira. I'm going to have that Blood Angel walking up to it like somebody's done the fan art of, because I thought that looked brilliant. So I've been chopping and changing that round and getting the legs off it. And yeah, it's getting there. It's getting there. I feel a bit left out by the only one here that hasn't got the Indominus box. <laughs> oh, I mean, I've got some Necron stuff You can you can get off me. Nope, nope, not doing another army. I refuse. You can't make me. You already have 400 points. You only need to make it 1,000. Uh, how many, um, in a new Necron Force, how many uh, Necron Warriors do you get in a, a kit? Uh, so it, it was 20 in the Indomitus box, but it looks like it's a squad of 10 with three Scarab Swarms that's going to be in the individual boxes as a, as a guess. Would you agree with that, David? Yeah, so you get two, spr- two identical sprues in Indomitus. Each sprue has 10 warriors, and you can choose one of two different weapon types, and you get three swarms. They're fairly monopose. You don't get the same range of movement, but as we've discussed in our previous podcast, that seems to be what the way that those kits are going. They're dynamic poses, 
but you don't get a huge amount of option of how they're posed. That's interesting because the old legacy Necron Warriors I've got, it was 12 in a pack. I would with the new weapons options, it wouldn't surprise me if they duck them down to 10 in a squad, or maybe it's 20 in a squad and they're just rounding them out, which is apart from gene stealers, seems to be something that they're trying to do. Yeah, I imagine that as they, they revamp things, they're going to try and go with a with a very rounded number of 5 or 10, because that matches basically all of the data sheets now. Yeah, it's just uh, an interesting uh, viewpoint that they might be lowering the uh, actual squad size with the new models. Uh, the squad sizes uh, on the data sheets are between 10 and 20. Ah, interesting. So no no 12s, but 10, 15, and 20, I'd assume, then. Yeah, it does mean that you got a slightly better value uh, <laughs> all those years ago with the Nephilim Warriors, but uh, you also got the really cool glowing green uh, bar for the Gauss weapons, which I assume you don't get in the new ones. No, That's correct. I, I would also debate that they're cool, but we won't go into that one. We don't <laughs> like glow sticks. How dare you? <laughs> I mean, at a rave, yes. From when Necron Warriors, no. <laughs> ah, you just you don't have the nostalgia value, and that's what you're, you're failing at here. I have just noticed that one of the Necron Warriors has a scarab, be- um, yeah, a scarab crawling out of his uh, intestinal region. That's... There's a lot of scarabs crawling over Necrons on these new. Yeah. Are you guys seen the new um, monolith that they've shown in a little video for? I believe. Yes. Yeah, that's a nice model. It is. It would be nice to see more monoliths on the table because even when I sort of used to do the Necron things myself, they were very rare to see. I think they were too points heavy and too large for the battlefield. I don't think that's going to change because they now have the Titanic keyword as well, mate. Yeah, but but I think they'll be more useful. They've said that they're going to be souping up their rules in the new codex to go alongside the new model. So hopefully we'll see something interesting that, that makes them more viable. Yeah. yeah. I just remember them being really good for taking out tanks and also quite useful for uh, teleporting Necrons across the battlefield. Seems to remember you could teleport them to the monolith. Well, at one point there was a strategy that used three of them and it was called the washing machine because you just teleported your squads of Necron warriors each turn to the next one. So your squads just danced round the table and the enemy. That sounds annoying, but also really amazing. Yeah. So it it, it was as frustrating as the uh, the old devilfish tactic. Yeah. The games yeah. workshop does seem to be working on ironing out those kind of gamesmanship tactics, which which are no fun for the opponent. No. So for those of us that don't know what the devilfish tactic is, would you care to explain, Zan? So you'd park two devil fishes, get your squads out behind the devil fishes of, of your Tau warriors. You would then be able to shoot through the devil fishes because they hovered. However, your opponent wouldn't be able to shoot through to you because they blocked line of sight and therefore stopped your warriors getting hit. They had to destroy the devil fishes first. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty frustrating to try and fight against. Which edition was that most prevalent in or has it just been prevalent all the time? Third through to sixth, I believe. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, but because they were the only ones that could do it, it didn't really get much showing because they weren't a a really tournament based army at the time. Okay. So this week as well, we've seen the launch both of Indomitus, which we've talked about, and also the app, both of which have received a bit of initial stink from the general public. But G Dubs have been very quick to try and make amends. 
I just wondered what you guys thought about the situation. So what's been the stink about the app thing? Because I haven't seen anything bad about that. So the rules are a link to a Google Doc. So they're not searchable. That It's just here's a link to a Google Doc. It's you leave the app to log in on a website, which then returns you back to the app. The army builder isn't available yet, and we were told it'd be available day one. So there's a lot of niggly things. But GW just announced today, oh, and it wasn't available on iOS on day one. It's still not from when I checked earlier. They've released it today. They've launched it just today. They put up a post just about an hour or so ago from when we're recording this. So late Wednesday, they put up a post saying that they appreciate that not everyone's loved the app. They're working hard on it. It's now available on on Apple within the next week. So by the end of next week, they should have it so that the rules are actually in the app. They're not a, a Google Doc. They're searchable. They're referenced referenceable and they're, they're working forward in that way so they've been very open with with the community that they accept that the launch wasn't as smooth as it could have been or should have been which i think is the best thing a company can do is say yep we accept we were wrong we've messed up on this let's sort it which mirrors what happened with indomitus yeah where Slightly underestimated how many people would want this amazing new box set. So I was speaking with a manager of a store who said that 90,000 boxes were produced, which is the largest ever release of a box that Games Workshop have done in their history. Put that in perspective, the Sisters of Battle plastic box had a release of 35,000 copies. So it dwarfs that. And... Games Workshop allocated, according to this manager, 70,000 units to the store, to, to the web store, which means that within 10 minutes, within it selling out, firstly, Games Workshop made like eight and three quarter million pounds just off those sales. But also, it, it just shows that level of increased interest in, in Games Workshop compared to, to a few years ago. I mean, my retort on that would be, is it, is it that or is it more that they built up this, this, this FOMO around the kit? Because we had over a month's worth of them saying, it's coming, it's coming, oh, you're going to enjoy it, it's coming. You can have six copies or now you can only have three. That that's caused it, though. I don't think so, because they did the same in the run-up to 8th edition. They were like, this is our biggest box set ever. You get these two massive armies. We've got the day one release of rule books and indexes. Buy this index. Every single model in your army is available to play day one. Pre-order it. Buy it. That same level of, of amping up. I think there are, there are two things which are, which are different. The first is that Warhammer community is much bigger on social media. So the reach of what Games Workshop are trying to do is vast now compared to what it used to be. There's a, a conversation with, with the community which wasn't there in previous editions. And I think that the, the user base, the player base has been increasing. And I think that, yes, they hyped it and they were pushing it. And they thought, 
you know what, if every if a few people want to buy six, that's not a problem because we've got ninety thousand available. I just think that it smashed even their own expectations. Because let's face it, if they thought they would sell two hundred thousand copies, they'd have ordered two hundred thousand copies. You know, they've ordered what they thought they would sell. And maybe there is a debate to be had about how many uh, how good their research was into buyer interest but I, I don't buy into that whole they, they overhyped it compared to previously would you say that they're more naive really because they they fail to see the as you said the reach that they now have and the interest in these new space marine models i mean it was going to be fairly obvious it was going to sell well for the space marine side because you've got the new primaris uh, bikes in there you've got a amazing captain model I think it's more naivety as to what they would actually achieve to sell. I totally agree with you. I, I must be even from the side of, of them overhyping it, I would still say it's a naivety thing that's caused it. I don't think they would have they haven't gone out of their way to, to cause what's happened. I don't I don't think that's the right way to look at it, but I, I do think that they they did perhaps over egg the pudding a little bit. Although I've got to say credit where credit's due on them. They have made a made to order option order. available for it get on to that one in a moment because there is some beautiful things happening around that absolutely beautiful things happening around that okay so sorry craig i know there's a point that you're trying to make mate but i've I've got some information you might not have on it more than Uh, likely that you do (laughs) (laughs) so obviously when the box set sold out in the first 15 minutes there was one seller on ebay who was selling 100 copies no idea how he'd got 100 copies, but he was down to sell 100 copies, along with a load of other scalpers, and they were putting it up for three, four, five hundred quid. I think there was even one somewhere that was a 1,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. So GW, in their their brilliantness, and I, I'm actually hoping they do it for all kits like this in the future. They do a day one release for it, and then they do a, if you want it in three months, you can order it now and we'll get it to you in three months because you missed out. And I'd like them to do it on the Books in Black library, the kits like this. I, I think it's something that they should do right across the range because this isn't this isn't the first time they've had this problem of running out and scalpers selling it at massively inflated prices, is it? Did no. it not happen with the Sisters of Battle, if I remember rightly? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, all of the Siege of Terror books so far have had the same thing happen with them. Hmm. Um, so what they did was they've obviously done this, this made-to-order, which is absolutely brilliant. And then what they've done is every scalper that they found online that has had one of their pictures instead of a picture from themselves of the contents of the box, which obviously they didn't have when they put it up, they had the GW one, have had their their uh, sales taken down off eBay for copyright infringement for using GW's pictures. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that is amazing. It's just, it's magical. Like <laughs> it's it's a responsible business to take that step to stop people from being tricked out of their money or having to pay, as you say, excessive amounts for the, the box itself. So they have whilst they have been naive in what could actually be sold, they have, in my opinion, sort of redeemed themselves in the fact that they got made to order, they've taken down the scalpers, they were trying to make some easy money from people desperate to get the kit. Yeah, oh man, they've made such it's such massive steps from three, four months ago. Like, all this started with the last Solar War book. Is it Solar War? Oh, the, the Siege, Siege of Terror. Terror. Yeah, the Siege of Terror books. Like, 
this has been something that's been building since then. When you say the books, do you mean the special edition leather-bound ones or just the standard ones? Special edition. Or the release before release edition ones, at least. So, like, you know how they've been doing this release that's three months before the standard release? Yeah, yeah. So any of those editions that they've done, they've had normally a couple of thousand to sell. And people have been buying a shipment of them and scalping them online. And selling them for, again, figures as much as like 300 quid, if not more. And people are paying it because they can't get it any other way. And they started to see a build-up of backlash towards this back then. So they did do something in the last one. I think they restricted it to one per person. And it sort of solved the issue a little bit for them. But doing what they've done with the Indomitus box, like I say, I won't see them do it on all of them. Yeah. Like, I think it's a genius idea. If you want it now, you can get it now if you're quick. If you miss out, we've got you covered, fam. We'll sort you out in a month's time, in three months' time. Yeah. And the flip side of that is that might even prevent the scalping in the first place and allow for more availability. Because if yeah. you've got some sellers selling 100, that's 100 more for people to buy when the scalpers realise that it's not worth their time and effort. Yeah. And I think this really typifies what Games Workshop is at the moment. They are really community-focused. They are communicating well. They don't get everything right, but I think that any any genuine-minded Games Workshop player can see that they are trying their hardest to be a, a fan-focused community-focused company. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think they're doing a good job of it. Yeah. Now, if they could just give the Xenos races some love, as well as the Imperium races, I think most people would be happy. I mean, to be honest we've just you. got a release of Necrons. We can't complain too much. I yeah, see but, that. No, no. It's, it's not a complaint. It's a statement. It's not a complaint. I, You know, Necrons have wanted love for some time and they've needed love because those warriors aren't the best models, having built a mate's entire force of them in the past two, three years. They needed a replacement. And I'm happy that they've got it, but Orc boys are 21 years old, lads. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Corn Berserkers are, as far as I can tell, they've had the same model for about 15, 20 years as it is, and it might look good back then, but right now it just looks really janky and doesn't really say that they're running towards it. It looks like they're leaning their legs up against a lamppost in some cases. <laughs> it's just a really stupid pose, or they've slipped and fallen. I think in general, GW are going in a really good route in what they're doing. Like, I yeah. can't fault them for this Indomitus release at all at this point. When it first was released, I can see why they got a lot of backlash on it all, because people missed out. They weren't sure if they were going to get into local shops. I mean, David, you and I had that same thought process with the, the places that we bought from. You know, I'm still missing a box. I I wound up with three being ordered, one of them still missing ironically the game's workshop copy but that's fine i've managed to secure my box i've got it i'm building and painting i'm sorting a refund for that other one which means that it will end up in the games workshop store so that people can buy it and so i'm happy with that but it was frankly it was a stressful time for if you if you've got that fear of missing out and you want to get something day one and you're you're a collector then, frankly, it, it, I can understand that. 
day one anger and frustration on on launch day uh, of of the pre-orders, uh, as you say. Yeah, I mean, if I hadn't pre-arranged mine with both the places where I got mine from, because I know the owners quite, I say quite well, one I definitely know quite well, the other one I like to think I know quite well, I don't think I would have got one myself, because I definitely wasn't there at 10 to 10 in the morning clicking through from another country's site to get into the UK one to get it. Maybe I did that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, look, if it gets you one and gets you a copy, does it matter? And while no, I was just no. sat there relaxing for a few hours, not caring. <laughs> <laughs> so with the Indomitus box, obviously that brings us into ninth edition as a whole. So what do you guys think to the actual edition itself? What changes have been made that you're happy with? Now you've had a look at the full rule books. Is there anything you're not so happy with from the full rule books? So the first thing I'd say is the rule book is beautiful. It is, be it the one bundled with Indomitus or the, the separate one. They are really nice books. I would say nicer than the 8th edition ones in terms of overall layout, the artwork, everything. Are they um, not the same books, the same cover? So yours, because you didn't get the one in Indomitus, yours will have writing all over the front saying it's, G- it's Warhammer 40,000 9th edition. Ours doesn't have that. It has it on the spine only. And even then, that's just 140,000 core rules. There's nothing else on ours. I kind of prefer the normal edition to the one I've got in Indomitus then. If you get more more detail, yes, fine, you get more of the, the picture itself, but the actual Warhammer 40,000 logo on it is really nice. It's really well done. See, I really like the artwork. Like, I'm tempted to try and find a way to have a bad and fighting Gilliman in the poses that they are on the front of the book because that artwork is just stunning. Like, I agree. Next level, just like yeah. page, was it four and five of the codexes used to have the, the big two-page piece of artwork in eighth? It's like yeah. you, you've taken that piece of artwork to a whole new level with it. I agree, but even with even with the logos and the writing on it, you don't lose that. Fine, it's not a smooth finish, but you don't lose the important detail in the artwork. And do you know what? I'm probably going to have a look on the um, at the Warhammer sites and see if I can find a, an actual copy of it to buy because that would be really nice hung up on the wall. It is that nice an artwork. Yeah, I I was kind of disappointed that the inlays in the Indomitus box weren't of that artwork. If I'm honest with you. Yeah, because you get two inlays in the box and they were just generic i think is the best way to put them yeah they, they weren't they weren't great but it's i mean it's a small complaint on a box that's made yeah. me go it is stunning you know what i mean it's exactly. it's a non-thing realistically and that's it both of all of us love the books be it the the standalone book or the indomitus book they're beautiful fantastic can't complain I think the rules are laid out more logically. There's a few things that I'm I'm less sure of. So we need to be a bit realistic in that the majority of players that you bump into at your local game store will play match play rules. And having to root into the match play rules to see how to construct a detachment, the old Battle Brothers rule where Chaos, Imperium and Xenos don't count as that that keyword that, that you can use. That's a bit frustrating that you've got to go into the match play rules to see that that rule is still a thing. 
and that you need to construct your army quite rigidly. There's a few little things like even though you have to buy detachments, there's still a number of detachments limit. I don't like that because the number of CP you have naturally limits the number of detachments you can take. And if you're at a tournament with 2,000 points, why shouldn't you be able to take five, six, seven different detachments? You'll have no CP for stratagems and you'll have this really eclectic looking army on the battlefield. And I think that would enrich tournaments and give players more, whereas we're stuck with those same old yeah, can only have a maximum of three detachments if you've got 1,000, 2,000 points and so on. But these are minor niggles in what is overall a fantastic book, fantastically laid out with some with the rules at a better in a better place than I think they've been in any prior edition. I'd have to disagree with you on the limit. I think that limit needs to be there. Why? Because otherwise I can see it being used to work around to get like multiple chapters of smash captains and stuff like that in there i think you cannot be put in there for that reason but you wouldn't be able to afford all the smash captains if you spent all the cp elsewhere you wouldn't be able to spend the cp on putting that smash captain in orbit or um give him the extra war gear which you'd need to do because you've spent that CP on detachments. It's What it's doing is it's removing your onus as a player to decide, do I want to save money for stratagems before the battle, midway through the battle, or spend it on different detachments? And I think that because detachments cost so much, you're going to be hard-pressed to fit many detachments into a, a, a game. But, you know, let's have a... A quick thing, you know, if you've got 12 CP, the most number of detachments that you could possibly fit in is maybe six at a push, because most of those detachments are minus two, minus three. Um, and then you'll be ending up with zero command points for anything else. Yeah, I, there's got to be a reason that they've done it. Yeah. Back to, and, you know, they've had... They've stated thousands of playtesters going through this and thousands of games to try and get the game right. So there's got to be a reason that they've put that in there. Like, looking at everything else, there's a limit on there for a reason. I can see what you're saying. It does limit your your choices. And I can see how that could be frustrating, especially for somebody that likes to play soup like yourself. But I just go back to there's got to be a reason behind it. Yeah, I totally get that, and I do respect it. And they, as you say, they've clearly play tested it. I think it's just that I guess, as you say, I like to play soup to an extent, and it's more if I want if I want to take an Inquisitor detachment, and then I also want to take some of the units from Blackstone Fortress, then that's it i've used up my three detachments straight away and worse than that i can't possibly reach the number of points required because there's quite a hard cap on how many points i can i can spend in a single detachment of uh, of each of those things and so it limits my ability to be able to take that kind of army in a match play situation so I thought at the moment Inquisitor and the Rogue Trader guys didn't count as, as part of a separate detachment. 
they could go into any one. They didn't break what was there in those ones, like Gazgul and. Um, um, they can. You can have up to one in- agent of the Imperium, so that's an Inquisitor or an assassin in a patrol or battalion detachment, but they couldn't take that. They won't be able to take their Jakara weaponsmiths, the little orangutans. They won't be able to take their acolytes with them unless they're in a, in, in their own detachment, which would have to be Vanguard detachment. And then a lot of the Blackstone fortress characters, they, the way that their keywords are working, you'd have to take them as a, and as an auxiliary support detachment, really, which, again, if you want to take three or four of them, you could choose to take the CP, which wouldn't make your army competitive. But you, according to this detachment limit, you would you'd only be able to take a maximum of two of them beyond your, your main detachment. And so it's little things like that where it's like, I wish I had the choice of spending that CP. And I, I guess you're probably right, Zan, that there are ways that people would be able to completely abuse that system and instead of being like me where you're wanting to take these eclectic individual heroes onto the battlefield knowing that they're nowhere near worth that cp expenditure there'll be people there saying ah well if i can have six detachments i can do this this and this and this in a cunning way yeah yeah i i the other thing to remember as well is that that's only in match play as well. And the the force that you've made there is a very narrative force where that yes. doesn't matter anyway. Because I, I don't well, see, would you take that force into a tournament, really? Um, I might do for, for a laugh. I've played one tournament down at Warhammer World and that had some Sisters of Battle and some Imperial Guard. And I did that because I like the idea of it was less about the Imperial suit, you know, where you've got the the, um, the guard to get the command points. It's not about command point farming at all. It was about having different flavours on the battlefield, basically, with a, with a bit of a, a fluff story to it. But I, I, that tournament that I went to, um, we nicknamed Two and a Half Nights. Because almost every army was two, two and a half knights and, a, and an armiger. And so, and, and there were, out of the 70-odd uh, armies, 11, I think, were two knights and an armiger. And I'd, I, I like having a different army. And as we pointed out in previous podcasts, yeah, I like finding those broken combinations in the rules, and I like finding the different ways that the rules interact with each other. But still, it, what always takes precedence for me is the fun and the interest and the ideas behind it. So, for example, that Sisters of Battle Army was Sisters of Battle with a planetary defense force defending from whichever army I was up against. There was a narrative in my head. But as as you mentioned, that idea of bringing all the Blackstone Fortress stuff is probably perfectly suited for the new Crusade system. Yeah, yeah, most most definitely. I think they're, they're they're more aimed at that side of things now rather than they always were. Let's be honest, they're not something that you normally see on the the battlefield because not a lot of people take them. Speaking of the new Crusade system, 
I really like the idea behind it. It looks really intricately uh, designed, and I really like the, uh, as you say, the narrative behind it. Do you think, in your opinions, that is the death curl or death scream of Kill Team? No. Here's my open and blunt answer for you. The the smaller game size is what could be considered the death of Kill Team, but Kill Team works so differently to Ninth Edition in the way it goes out. I don't think it's it's meant to be a replacement for it. It's just a quick, easy game. Crusade itself, I see more as the idea of you put yourself in as a scout, uh, maybe a sergeant in your first game, and you do essentially like the four warlords, and you level your, your army up as you go through and build yourself up through that that so you then become a, a battle brother and then a sergeant and then by the end of it you're the captain of it all that's that's how it, it looks to me that's how i would play it myself as i say with the whole fact that your units gain experience that's where i compare it to the kill team because they too also gain experience and more abilities and and things like that so for me it does seem to me that the proper rules for warmer 40k version of kill team and I think it might be the end of the kill team as a, a genre, really. What do you think, David? I think that I can see that kill team will slowly get less and less support. We've not seen any new release for kill team in quite a while. I think that though part of that is the focus on ninth edition for sure, but I think it will quietly sit and do its own thing. I can see it moving over to be a specialist game. I do think that... Uh, Zan's right. the The rule system for Kill Team is a. It, it feels more like, say, a, well, more like Warcry, like a a skirmish version, where where your aim is to stick with those very few characters. Whereas, again, as Zan said, I see, I see the point of the Crusade system to build up your armies over a period of time like old school four warlords where you start with a very small army but then by the end of this campaign you've built up to have a much larger army which would never fit in so i think that they fill different slots but i think that that kill team has probably reached the end of its shelf life in terms of expansions they've got elites they've got commanders it's self-contained and i can see it moving over to specialist games along with Necromunda and uh, Adeptus Mechanicus and so on. Fair enough. That was just my uh, my take on it, but uh, I have been overruled. <laughs> no, no, not been overruled at all, mate. It's just different viewpoints on it. Like I, I don't see them putting so much into a system just to ditch it off, even if it's just filling a hole for the meantime. Because they've even said themselves that a smaller game of 40k isn't a replacement for Kill Team. It's one of the first things they said on it because they knew people were going to say it. Kill Team is still its own thing, and I believe there is going to be another book in the next three months. What was the precursor to Kill Team, though? I can't even remember. Shadow War. Shadow War. It was Shadow of Armageddon. That was it. Yeah. So that died off. So I don't. They they developed some rules for that, and then they killed that off. So I don't necessarily think we can. We can say that a game won't be killed off just because it's they've spent time building it. No, I, I will agree with that. But I think what they did with that was it was more a gauge for bringing back Necromunda, is my opinion of Shadow War. It was, uh, let's let people use their own 
models that they already have. We'll sell off this rule set. And if people buy it a lot, we'll bring back Necromunda because it's a very similar rule set to second edition Necromunda rather than Kill Team. Uh, Kill Team, myself, uh, myself, I think, comes back from like the old City Fight books for 7th yeah. edition, was it? 6th edition? Where you had this, this specific rule set for City Fight, which, if I remember right, it was a 10-man squad versus a 10-man squad over a cityscape. And it was a small box that they released that had Space Marines and Tawin. And it, it, again, it was like Shadow War Armageddon, but I, I can't, I, I think it will go specialist completely and that we'll see some Forge World releases for it or some Forge World stuff poured into it. I'm fairly sure I saw somewhere that there is going to be another book released fairly soon. I'm not oh, okay. sure what it is. And the fact I believe it's still being released for in White Dwarf as well helps to support that yeah don't get missed out on white dwarf i still miss my uh monthly uh deliveries but uh <laughs> yeah I, I can see why you'd think it though like this this new rule set does lend itself to it yeah as i say it's just reading through it comparing it to that i i saw the very very similar yes i agree there are massive differences in the rule set of it it was just the idea that you have a small squad to begin with, and they gain experience, they gain abilities, they gain battle scars. You know, it's a very, very similar system, and I still think it is. I still think it is a kill team replacement, just probably not to, as you said, entirely kill it off. Now that you've, you know, described that, but I still think it is a replacement to it. The other thing that you've said there, which is different, is squads, whereas kill teams individuals. True. It's that's, that's your level difference on it. I think that's the the big difference that's there. One is about an individual um, squad that's broken down into members, and one is your squad's still fighting in the normal forty k way. It's almost like you could use one to do the granular of the other. Yeah, that's fair enough. Maybe maybe more of advice. Well, what I've said is not right. Then maybe it's an evolved form of uh, kill team. But uh, it's still Crusaders, a system I very much want to play. It's it just looks an amazing way of playing and a different narrative way of playing. Yeah, I'm totally on board with that. And as Zan said earlier, that could be the perfect place for me to play out some of these rogue trader models, some of these Blackstone Fortress characters, and really have some fun with that. Yeah, so maybe we can get four of us together and we can do a whole campaign thing on it. There's three of us. I know there's three of us here, but there are we do know other people. <laughs> oh, I do anyway. I don't know about you, David. <laughs> I I like the idea of you doing your Inquisitor in that setting. Like you start off at a low level Inquisitor, like you've just turned from Acolyte into Inquisitor, and you've got this force that you're sort of loaning from a rogue trader who you're travelling with. Like that yeah. is an idea for a a story based campaign like this is meant to be i think is brilliant but yeah that's like i said that's where i see it in in the grand scheme of things it's a nice narrative way of doing it it pulls you more into that game and gives you more of that role play aspect fair enough what's your um opinions of the new format for the chapter of true books then i'll let david go first <laughs> <laughs> is this another i'm not going to go on a rant thing but i totally am no i i'd just like to give david the first chime in on this because i've spoken a lot on the last one <laughs> i'm reserving judgment i want this seems in a way a little bit like when the indexes were released for eighth edition it's a 
It is a book release at the start of a brand new edition, which allows everyone to get in, in everything into line and be able to play with the forces they've already got. That book with all the, the rules in it and the other book with like various tournament pack rules is, is great. Do I believe that that's going to be what chapter approved look like looks like going forwards? I'm not sure I do, you know. I, I think we might revert back to the previous chapter approved set setups basically because I just don't I don't buy that that is how it's going to be needed every 6 months. Chapter approved is always collated the white dwarf things, it's always just added some optional extra rules and so on. So I at the moment I'm treating it as a one-off aberration. I'm not keen on the size of it, though I can see it might be handier for tabletop quick reference. I'm not keen on much about it, but we'll see how it plans out. Pans out. I agree with you to a point. I do have it's a really nicely set out book. I cannot deny that. I do think it is more for the tournament scene where they have limited table space because you've got 20 of you in a row and you need that space i do think it is not particularly user friendly for those that have site issues as it were because there's a lot of information in there that's crammed into small spaces and could be very difficult to read so i think they've really missed the mark on that usability there but i can see them continuing on with this format that they've proven that they can reduce the amount of space being utilized and i don't see why they would go back to the full a4 pages in uh, in later editions. So Fair my, enough. My my viewpoint on it is the form factor I kind of like having that smaller form factor. I don't think they should have called it chapter approved. I think they're charging too much for what you get. And all if all it is is tournament rules, why were those missions just not included in the new rule book? No, this is fair. This is fair. So I mean, just yes, there's like a vehicle to be able to charge for the points to me at the moment. And I think 25 quid for the book of the form factor that it is and the amount of information it contains is too much. Yeah, it certainly does miss a lot of the detail that the full one has. But uh, the sort of tone pack, as you say, it's the different battle types, uh, different objectives on them. But it also contains in a nice small uh, form factor, as it were, the basic rules. So it's a nice reference sheet to go to. I'm going to step in there quickly uh, to just rebut one of Zan's points I think the reason that they've got their own missions in the tournament pack means that every year they can completely delete those previous tournament uh, scenarios and publish entirely new ones without trying to make anything in the rulebook defunct and it means you can constantly mix up the meta on the tournament scene and change things up and alter things without needing to go back to anything in the rule book and just say, here you go, here's your time and pack for this year or this six months. This is what you'll be playing from. And it means that theoretically, we can get to a point where any player can go to any tournament anywhere in the world and feel comfortable and confident that there's going to be a baseline. So I, I will see your point on that one. But my retort on that is why not just call it a tournament pack then? Why give it the title of chapter approved? I agree with you there. That's why I'm reserving judgment until we see the next chapter approved. I liked the idea that chapter approved was that annual 
collection of everything that was in a white dwarf so you didn't need to buy it that it was some nice throwaway things like create your own land raider or create your own looted tank for use in open play stuff that was a bit more throwaway yes it had some extra things in yes it had the points update but it it feels like it's a different beast and as i say we don't know yet whether it's a one-off for launch or whether that's what chapter approved now is so that's fair enough that's fair enough. I, I mean my, i myself I, I won't be purchasing it i'll be once they've got the army builder in the app for the same price i'll be buying that for six months yeah um because i don't play the tournament scene so i don't need to buy the book it's just the points that i need and i can get that from the app i yeah. agree I agree on that one. I don't do the tournament scene, but I still bought it purely for those pointage. And I get what you mean in regards to that. Yeah, I I think if it had been 15, 20 quid, then I would have considered buying it more for the pointage. The game is a lot more tournament orientated because that's where GW are essentially getting their bread and butter. And I can't blame them for taking the book down that route if that's where you know their their key sort of player base comes in from at the end of the day it's a competitive game and people will play tournaments for it i just i'm not one of them i think is what it comes down to at the end of it with this book it's just it it's not for me i killed that one brilliant (laughs) (laughs) so with all that being said i think that's a, a good point to bring this session to an end so thank you for listening to the drunken pride marks Uh, I've been Zan. I've been David. And I've been Craig. Uh, We've been drinking and you've been listening. Speak to you next time. War is our business now. For every tear not shed and every grave not dug, there's a dollar left unspent. This was a Drunken Primark production. Opening and closing music was provided by Punk Rock Opera. Thank you for listening.